Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. I'm Oliver Dowson. Let me be your guide as to how businesses, all kinds of businesses, small and large, can grow, solve their business problems, increase their profits, and grow their value. In these podcasts, we talk to all sorts of interesting people that bring their skills, experience, and insights to all aspects of international expansion. I hope you like these podcasts. If you do, subscribe and keep listening every week. We love comments too. And do share and tell others and check out our resources on our growinternational.org website. France is such an interesting country. Politically and economically, it's one of the strongest, not only in Europe, but the world. It's a market of 60 million, and although a large country, it's got great infrastructure. It has a reputation, perhaps unparalleled, for culture, gastronomy, and maybe even love as well, if you're lucky. It has a beautiful and varied landscape. And with 87 million visitors a year, there's no other country in the world that's actually visited by more tourists. Many are British, of course, because physically, it's the nearest country for most of us. Many buy second homes or retire there. Like me, more Britons learnt French at school than any other language. So you'd think that it would also be Britain's major trading partner in Europe. Well, it is a big one, of course, but not the biggest. And in terms of trade per head of population, it's quite a way down the list. When I talk to businesses about expanding to Europe, France rarely figures as a must-go-to destination. Maybe that's the result of natural reticence, born of centuries of a mutual love-hate relationship. But it's probably more because it's seen as a more difficult market, culturally, linguistically, and in business style. Businesses are cautious and don't want to invest heavily in international expansion unless they're really confident of success. For this podcast, I'm talking to Bernard Hott. Bernard works for DNA, a French business consulting firm. They've developed services for business development, aka sales, that could be a great way for foreign companies, British, American, or from anywhere else, to build a market and establish a foothold in France quickly and economically. Bernard himself is an interesting guy, a business strategist with over 20 years of experience, who started his career in London after university. He's worked here in the city in banking and law, and then went into business consultancy, advising telco multinationals in Africa. After that, he went into education as a lecturer, and then established an internationally accredited corporate training centre with operations both in the UK and in Africa, training students in Cameroon and Senegal, engineering and medicine. But he's recently returned to London, joining DNA as their UK business manager. Here's our conversation. Bernard, welcome to the Growth Through International Expansion podcast. Tell us something about what you're doing to encourage businesses to expand to France. Well, thank you, Oliver. Thanks for having me here. I'm quite grateful uh, to be sitting here talking to you uh, on this podium. Um, I am here on behalf of uh, DNA Business Development. We are a French-based company. Uh, I'm the UK business manager uh, here to encourage UK businesses uh, to open a wing or to have a wing in the French market if I can say it in such a way. Right. Are you looking primarily or suggesting businesses have a subsidiary or associate company in France or they actually move their operations to France? Uh, I wouldn't go along subsidiary or even, I think, moving is, uh, uh, well, massive intake. 
we are we have a setup that allows any interested company, I would say, a client of ours, uh, you know, to uh, seek, you know, clientele in uh, in France, uh, meaning we based in, you know, uh, just. Uh, Helping them explore the market, sure. we will be seeking customers. We will be looking uh, customers if that is what they're interested in us uh, for them, uh, whereby they do not need to, should I say, be in France physically. Uh, okay. They can be still running the operations in the UK and then having a voice or a presence in France. That's really where. We are situated. So you're offering a sort of virtual presence. Yeah, we, we could mention. I mean, probably the word can be uh, uh, yeah typical, but more uh, likely um, the aim for us is to secure business intakes for our clients, our UK clients. Sure. Um, so when you say that, are you looking for sort of customers in the French market for the clients? That's right. Okay. And That's what right. sort of businesses should be attracted to that? Well, I should specify that we um, mainly specialize in B2B right. market. Services. We are services products, more likely. Mm -hmm. uh, we're targeting startups. Uh, we're targeting mid-sized organizations and large corporations. So, so no size is smaller, no size is bigger. Okay. for what we do, really. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, France has always been viewed by the British as, uh, uh, as a difficult market. Um, there's been a sort of love-hate relationship through the centuries. Um, so it's always viewed as though as very much a closed and difficult market to get into. What, how, how, do you, how do you crack that? Well, I think um, it is a modern world. Uh, nowadays, uh, I think uh, there is a long history between uh, France and uh, and the UK. Uh, we're quite close, uh, you know, you know, natural neighbours. Uh, I would say sure. it, uh, that way. Uh, I think business is done in another context now, in another manner. Uh, obviously, uh, more and more French uh, people are speaking English. Actually, I should say what they say in France or even in the UK is that London is uh, uh, probably the third or the, the fourth, if not the second city of France, <laughs> <laughs> meaning uh, we have so many uh, French people uh, living in, um, in London or um, perhaps in the whole of the UK, uh, I should say. There is uh, a whole lot going on between uh, uh, both countries. I do obviously uh, understand the historical aspect having a, a well it, it's it's the closed element it's a little bit of um, uh, I suppose it's sans froid you know mm -hmm. as the French would say but uh, uh, when I was young mm. um, if one went to France and one was British um, even if the people you met could speak English, mm -hmm. they wouldn't speak English, at least not until you'd actually said something in French first. That's true. Yeah. And I do notice that that's changed. And now um, people are far more willing to embrace English as an international language, I suppose. Um, and of course, for us Brits, it's very we can be very lazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Brits are terrible at learning languages. I didn't say um, that. I mean, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like, as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, nowadays and yet again, it's a new generation in place businesses. 
uh, are on, on, on both sides, we're talking about the UK and more likely in France as well, uh, in a much more parallel, you know, setting. Uh, so I would say, uh, you know, a business in London um, wouldn't be all that much different from uh, uh, a business in, in Paris. There's a whole lot of comparison to, you know, draw here. But where I'm standing uh, with this, um, I don't know, we'll probably get into that uh, later. But uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, what is happening in the UK as a whole now, let uh, alone in London with... Uh, Brexit looming, what, where we're standing is actually, uh, you know, inciting businesses and telling them, you know what, uh, we are in a very, should I say, secured environment, more or less in the UK, but things can be very much uh, daunting with uh, the fact that we don't know whether Brexit will happen or not. But why not, you know, uh, uh, called uh, another market whereby imagining that things can go a bit uh, uh, shaky uh, in London or in the UK, we can always have, uh, you know, uh, another, uh, uh, well, an incentive being generated for from a st more or less stable market, which happened to be France. And like this. this is where, really, this is the appeal that we uh, uh, launch into, uh, well, our you know, uh, UK uh, business friends or UK business partners. Right. You know, just really motivating them and telling them, you know what, we, well, we don't want you to be there. We actually, uh, we're going to be your voice, as I mentioned earlier. We're going to be your representative there. We will be acting on your behalf. We're talking your language. We're speaking uh, on your name and we're negotiating deals, uh, you know, for you. This is the overall uh, you know, stunned. But those people would not be employees of the British company or their French subsidiary. They'd be employees of DMA. Uh, under this they service. are. Is that def right? Definitely, they are. Well, uh, these are our business developers, if, uh, you know, this is how we refer to them, but they'll be work working on behalf. Yes, yeah, no, uh, yes, uh, sure. They remain, you know. Uh, to an extent, they're sort of um, agents. Well, yeah, we we could, uh, even though that term's a bit, uh, you know, <laughs> has uh, many connotations. Sure. We we don't refer ourselves uh, as such. More likely, uh, embedded partners, I should say. Yeah. So we are fully, uh, you know, indulging with our clients or with our. Uh, you know, customer, we are fully embedded within the system. We're sharing a lot of information. We have a, a customer relationship management system in place that, you know, obviously anything that we're doing on uh, their behalf is, uh, uh, you know, uh, shared and it is, uh, uh, well, the connect, we're fully connected one uh, uh, to the other and uh, we will be just doing business to, you know, satisfy. Uh, you know, should I say both parts? Right. So, if somebody's, uh, if you have people who are representing um, British companies mm -hmm. in France, effectively um, trying to sell on their behalf, mm -hmm. sell on their behalf, are they not selling two or three or more companies' products at the same time? Mm -hmm. They're effectively representing more than one business. Yeah. How do you ensure there's effectively um, no? Uh, crossover, no competition between sure. those different things, and at the same time, um, how do you ensure that you've got you're using people who uh, can properly and in detail mm -hmm. represent the product that sure. they're actually promoting? 
Yeah, we have a team of, uh, you know, uh, uh, business managers. We have a team of uh, business um, operational managers. Uh, we have uh, a team of uh, business de developers. And uh, uh, one way uh, we do work is actually for cost dedication. There's a lot of confidentiality. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that uh, if I am assigned to a particular project with a particular client, I'll give you an example. I'm currently, uh, you know, uh, dealing with uh, a UK-based client in uh, 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 the fragrance, uh, you know, uh, sector, uh, cosmetics, and so on. Uh, meanwhile, in France, I have a colleague, another business uh, manager, who is dealing with uh, uh, a customer within the same uh, market. Well, the fact that he is already involved in that, mm -hmm. he will not, uh, in any case, you know, uncover or attempt. Well, there won't be any attempt. In linking him with, uh, you know, uh, uh, this particular client I'm dealing with. Why is that? Because they are in the same industry, and the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, confidentiality and yet again issues of competition uh, are involved. We tend to preserve the integrity of each of our customer uh, or each of our uh, client, any client that we, we're dealing with. So truly, there will be a fully assigned team that is fully dedicated to one client, while particularly if they are in the same domain, the same sector, they will not be assigned to, you know, uh, the same team will not be assigned to a client within the same uh, domain or the same sector. Okay, that begs like two questions. Mm -hmm. The first is that earlier mm -hmm. uh, you talked about um, this being primarily B2B, mm -hmm. but B2B is a very wide definition. True. Um, can you narrow it down a little bit more to where um, DNA special specialisms lie? Sure. Uh, we don't, um, we wouldn't be involved in uh, uh, direct uh, dealing with uh, customers, okay. uh, we specifically, uh, you know, talking to other businesses on behalf of uh, our business clients. Uh, in, in a sense, I wouldn't come to uh, uh, you as an individual, Oliver as an individual. I would come to the organization you're representing, you know, to seek uh, custom. And yet again, I will only be talking. Uh, on your behalf to other businesses that are interested in your services. Yes, but for example, um, perhaps um, E2B services, you have a wide spectrum. You have uh, a lot of businesses now from here that are in financial technology, mm -hmm. fintech. Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of that are in medtech, mm -hmm. uh, medical technology. Mm -hmm. um, it was very difficult for the same individual or mm -hmm. the same team to represent both because if they're talking to potential customers mm -hmm. or trying to make contacts for those businesses mm -hmm. in France, um, they inevitably require an element of technical knowledge or scientific knowledge sometimes, but, um, but the same people would not be able to handle both sectors. Sure. Um, so maybe you have some um, preferences for different sorts of 
um, sectors, or maybe you have some exclusions? Well, uh, uh, we have uh, um, a setting, uh, and actually I should say that question comes a lot, and it's actually one of those uh, prime elements that uh, those uh, prospect potential customers that I talk to uh, usually, and they are in a very, I mean, most of them very specialized domain, fintech, as you mentioned. Uh, I talked to so many of those. Now, what we have, um, we're working all throughout all sectors. In sense, we have an appropriation stage, meaning when we have uh, initiated uh, a contact with a particular uh, prospect uh, willing to become our client, we make sure, obviously, that we are able to address uh, what uh, they're doing in terms of uh, uh, specialization or specialty. Uh, now we have a three-week question uh, timing that allows us to involve with the business. Obviously, three weeks you say to me is too uh, minimum or too uh, minimal to understand uh, any business sector. But again, we're not going to be locking the doors exclusively to be dealing or taking, uh, okay. uh, uh, you know. The, overall operations of our client. We open, as I said earlier, we're working in tandem. Now, uh, where we're coming strongly is that why France, and I will mention other markets, actually, we're not only in France, France is our... Okay, we'll uh, get to that. Uh, yeah, we'll sure. get to the other, other potentials exactly. later. But. Uh, but France, because it is our headquarter, it is because we actually uh, all around, uh, north, south, uh, in total we have, uh, uh, you know, uh, 12 offices uh, around the whole country, so we do understand the French market. Now, what we're telling to customer, it doesn't matter what field you're into. We will do our best to understand what you're doing. We will learn your language, you know, at least to speak about your product or your services to a potential customer. But yet again, the door is open. We're not closing it. Well, actually, what we do uh, suggest sometimes that we can actually establish within your premises having a business or a few business developers to have, uh, you know, uh, a desk within uh, uh, your, 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 your office. And uh, uh, they will be, along with you, you know, on a daily basis, learning what you're doing. But wherever we are stuck, you have the right to bring your input. We don't mind. Uh, you know, opening the doors to, uh, you know, our client to talk to, you know, potential, uh, you know, uh, uh, clients that we're courting on their behalf. Um, that's great. Um, so the other question I had coming from before was that uh, you talked about negotiating contracts on behalf of clients. When a UK business using your services in France is selling a service. Is that going to be a French contract with a French company or a UK contract with a with the UK company? It is. If it happens in France, it's going to be a French com uh, contract. Um, but with what company is it going to be? So if it's a, a UK company using your services, are they essentially setting up a subsidiary in France? Uh, for you in order to do that contract? Unless that is what after we can facilitate for that. Uh, uh, we're not in uh, the business setting, you know, uh, domain uh, whereby, uh, you know, providing all the paperwork that are required. Now, we deal with uh, uh, franchises, for example, uh, some of them seeking to have, you know, physical operations in France we can connect them with potential franchisees who are based in France, for example, mm -hmm. and uh, 
uh, from there, obviously, things uh, can be taken, uh, uh, you know, forward. Uh, now, uh, our strict limitation is really uh, the client, you know, uh, environment whereby either we connect you and then you take it on board, dealing with the client, or we carry on on a mid-term, long-term relationship, being the middleman, the middle person, you know, dealing between. There are issues of language sometimes, as you mentioned earlier. Sure. A lot of British, uh, uh, you know, uh, talking about UK-based companies. Many of them are not interested in having a word in France. Um, in French, sorry. That's where we stand, and uh, you know, we become the facilitator on both uh, angles. And my job here, actually. Uh, you know, I'm French, uh, as you get that. I've gathered. Now, my job here is actually to uh, just uh, uh, do that, meaning uh, stand between, uh, you know, uh, DNA, uh, uh, business development, and uh, any UK uh, customer or clients sure. that is interested in, in dealing with us. Okay, let's talk about France as a EU base more more generally. Mm -hmm. So there are UK companies, smaller companies in Britain, who they probably realised they should have done this a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. um, um, now wants to set up a base somewhere in the EU to do um, business with the EU um, post Brexit, mm -hmm. assuming it happens, um, to actually have an EU based operation. Mm -hmm. And we also have listeners in other parts of the world, mm -hmm. notably the United States, mm -hmm. um, who also look at setting up operations within Europe. Mm -hmm. How does France rank as a base within Europe um, for doing business with the rest of Europe um, compared to the other 26 countries? Well, I think uh, along with uh, uh, Germany, uh, um, and the UK, because again, uh, the UK uh, uh, is still part of it, uh, you know. Well, yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it to one side just for now. Okay. I'm just looking at just the other, the EU27 as opposed to the EU28. That's right. Well, France is actually the second uh, power in uh, the EU uh, as far as, uh, you know, the situation stands. I mean, with Germany leading uh, the game, uh, France um, uh, is... Uh, not sure whether it's an old country, I mean, uh, you know, but it is a modern uh, country with uh, massive infrastructure, uh, we name it, I mean, um, business facilitation is very overwhelmingly, uh, you know, uh, affirmed, uh, affirmed in, uh, in France, uh, more likely uh, than what we see in the UK, so there is a, uh, definitely uh, uh, no uh, question or no worries for, um, you know, apart from language issues, as we said earlier, uh, there shouldn't be any major worries for any, uh, uh, you know, uh, organizations, you know, uh, US one, or as we, we're referring to UK, establishing in France, uh, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Sure. Mm -hmm. So earlier you also mentioned um, the fact that it's not, not just Europe and not just France. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously France is a potential base for any um, French language countries, um, I guess, which are primarily going to be in Africa. And it's just as, so just as Britain is used as a base by uh, European companies for English-speaking countries, mm -hmm. I guess, that uh, 
uh, France could make a good base for French-speaking cats sure. as well. Is, mm. that, is that something that you also get involved in? It is, yeah, it is. Uh, well, uh, with DNA, we, we don't have, uh, we don't extend our operations beyond, uh, let's say, a few uh, selection of countries uh, in uh, uh, Europe or in the EU, uh, actually, at the moment. Uh, but again, uh, my personal interest, because my background is actually French, uh, Africa, Cameroon, uh, I should mention. Uh, yes, we have a lot of links with, uh, with France, actually, uh, massively. At the base of uh, uh, French-speaking Africa is uh, definitely France, exactly uh, uh, like what we see here in the UK with uh, English-speaking uh, uh, countries in Africa. Mm -hmm. It is uh, more likely the same uh, context that... Uh, you know, uh, we have uh, in France yet. I'd, uh, I, I just talk about it because I know that there are um, some of the more forward-thinking businesses that are certainly looking at these uh, countries with much faster growth potential than the established Western countries. Sure. And, of course, from here, they're also part of the off-the-radar countries that we like to feature here on uh, Growth for International yeah. Expansion um, because there aren't any um, significant number of businesses mm -hmm. in this country that would even um, ever think about going to Cameroon, sure. for example. And they wouldn't know what's there and what the opportunities might be, mm -hmm. similar Senegal and so forth. Um, let alone think about countries where France is an, French is an easier language sure. to negotiate in, such a, than English. Uh, maybe not be the national language, but easier to negotiate in, say, Algeria, Morocco. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's a lot of um, opportunities across the African continent. There is. There is. Where Africa uh, today, I'm sure, I mean, uh, average growth is uh, uh, yeah, probably wouldn't mistake on that, but we're talking about 5% and more uh, in comparison to, uh, you know, Western economies where we were struggling to, uh, you know, uh, reach 2 or 3%. Now, again, some economies in Africa, uh, re referring to a, a country like Ivory Coast, uh, French speaking, typically they're doing quite well and probably uh, we'll be, we'll be talking about a two-digit, uh, which are uh, we, we're not certain this is going to happen. Yes, uh, there are this tremendous, uh, you know, uh, element of uh, uh, potential in uh, uh, African economies more and more. And uh, as you rightly mentioned, uh, one of uh, uh, those points that I did discuss uh, not so long ago with uh, my hierarchy was, are you looking into Africa, um, you know, to do business? Uh, but yet again, uh, I think uh, I'm not part of, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, the strategic layer of uh, uh, the organization. This could happen. And if I am, uh, you know, personally, uh, you know, uh, uh, selected to be part of, uh, of DIR, I'd be really happy. Yes, surely. Okay. That's, uh, that's really interesting to me. Um, but let's get back to France just for now, because it's the, uh, the, the prime focus of this. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the current situation in France. How's the French economy going? It certainly was not doing so well a few years ago, but I think I've heard reports that it's doing much better recently, and uh, things are getting better. Um, but of course, from a distance, one only sees 
you know, bad news mm. of other countries rather than good news of other countries. Sure. So we see about the Gilets Jaunes a little bit. I was about uh, to refer to them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the current situation in France. Should everybody be scared of the fact that people work short weeks, there's a bad economy and everyone's striking and demonstrating? Or th in the reality, are mm. we actually in a much better situation? Well, it's always scary when you see, uh, you know, uh, demonstration in uh, uh, any country, uh, you know, particularly those we see in France more and more with the Gilets Jaunes. Uh, yes, uh, this is happening in Paris at the heart of uh, Champs-Élysées, uh, you know, is scaring, is scaring. Uh, but again, these are social uh, issues, social movement. Uh, does it have any impact um, on the economy? Yes, certainly. Um, and I'm sure uh, um, it is uh, uh, knocking down, uh, you know, uh, um, the current, you know, uh, economical scene in, in France. Uh, now, um, well, in comparison to uh, the UK, well, obviously, uh, I wouldn't believe, uh, you know, uh, uh, France uh, can uh, be such a major, uh, you know, uh, challenger. Uh, in a sense, uh, you know, uh, I think it's a whole lot of uh, issues, uh, you know, reforming the French system. I mean, every, uh, you know, um, uh, government that is in place is always, uh, uh, you know, bringing this uh, uh, element of reform, reforming, reforming, and you never, never really uh, successfully, uh, you know, uh, achieve. And that is uh, really a massive thing. At the moment this is not sorted, I'm sure uh, we still going to be seeing always um, these torments in uh, the French social context, obviously impacting on the economy. Uh, your question was, uh, the, I mean, is it scary? No, I think, as I said earlier, um, France is a well-established company, um, country, I should say, a democratic uh, system in place, uh, infrastructure, obviously, uh, we have them over there. Um, is it uh, all that any investor, potential investor, require uh, when uh, they're aiming to establish in uh, a country? Uh, I would say these are appealing uh, elements. Now, if we were to engage in looking in details, um, should people be scared or discouraged? No, I think the Gilets Jaunes is a movement that will happen to pass. Um, I believe the French government is dealing with that as much meaningful as they can. Uh, mm -hmm. How long would that be? But again, uh, we should agree, it is a problem at yeah. the moment, it is a problem. Yeah. I think it's always sort of be wise to be aware of what goes on in countries, but mm. of course no country is immune. You know, there's different things happen in different places. We may not sure. people have people in day glow jackets here in, in Britain, sure. but then we don't have to carry them in every car, so not mm. everybody has one. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, so it's, but we do have other other strictures here as well, and uh, every country has its own. Sure, yeah. So it's really just a matter of being conscious, um, and I think it's, I, I appreciate you sort of answering the question and looking at it seriously, because it's something that I think uh, any business 
looking at going to France is bound to be asking. Mm -hmm. So they need to be reassured. They need Definitely. to be uh, looking at. But I just want to specify uh, on that particular point, Oliver, that actually we're trying to, uh, you know, are we, where we're coming into also as a DNA, uh, we telling, uh, you know, our partners or our, our clients, well, you may not need you know, actively or physically to be there right. because we're doing it for you. Right. But yet again, we're telling them, um, uh, well, establishing there requires you, obviously, to invest as much as, uh, you know, if you're setting up, uh, you know, office, obviously, uh, it comes with uh, uh, all, uh, uh, you know, uh, that is required, all the investment that is required, but rather um, take us on board hire us in lieu or in place of your um, sales team, we will link you in uh, France within the context of your business environment, within the context of your business sector. That is where we fit in. Really. Okay, but let me just sort of affect, I'm probably repeating an earlier question, but a, a business when it's working with you and your team to sell in France mm -hmm. or to sell a service in France mm -hmm. um, is still effectively acting as a British company with or a foreign company with a French agent. So every business needs a website, address, a presence and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, can it use um, DNA's French um, offices as a mailing address and create a French website in, in French with appropriate cover. Is that the sort of service you help with? Well, I, I, no, we're not into that. I think that's really, and that is the limitation that we, we uh, or should I say, uh, um, we wouldn't expect that from any uh, client, uh, you know, to engage in this is uh, formally setting up uh, an office in France. No, uh, one way, uh, the first element, uh, so the first point that you, you mentioned is where we are actually, whereby, uh, you know, um, let us, you know, it's probably repeating on this one, but let us do it for you entirely. We are with you, we're part of you, we speak, actually, we can adopt you know, we can, we will utilize your name. Uh, for instance, the m moment we sign up with uh, a particular client, we assign a business developer, and that business developer will be speaking the language of the company, the name of the company. The business developer will have a business card on the client's name. So truly, we are the office. So you will have the, you will have your office address on it. Exactly, the office address will be part of it, sure. You know, I'm not mm. just saying anyone should dissimulate or not, mm. you know, and pretend it's not them. Mm. But these days, the first thing that everybody does, and I assume in France as well, you know, anything is Google it or look at the website. True, so, true, <laughs> true. And tend to end. Social media is hugely important, as we can prove ourselves here. That is true. Sure, sure. Um, but what we don't want you to do is actually, we wouldn't, uh, well, uh, what is the need? Again, if you're in the UK, we don't want you to hide your ID. No. We don't want you to portray, to be what you're not. No. We, you just actually, we're opening another market for you. Be who you are as a, uh, your company stands in the UK. Actually, uh, uh, there is no, I mean, we're not coming as a mask, you know. We are opening a wing for you. We're opening, we're bringing, you know, new customer. Or uh, this is just adding to uh, 
you know, what you already have, uh, meaning, again, uh, I wouldn't uh, call it inter internationalization, probably not. But yet again, you are acquiring clients or customers from another market without being there uh, physically, without investing there except them paying for our service charges. That's where we play. That's where we are. Okay, that's great. That's really interesting. Thank you. Bernhard, thank you very much for talking to me today. My pleasure. And uh, I hope a lot of people are interested in talking more to you about the opportunities in France. I'd be happy. I'm sure you'd be, be happy. happy to. Very much so. Thank you, and thanks for your time, Oliver. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and this podcast. I really welcome your comments and also suggestions for future conversations. We post new content every week, so please do click on the subscribe button and follow this, the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. You can also find the transcript, other articles, and detailed resources relating to this episode on our website, growinternational.org. There, you can also join as a member for future updates and find all our other articles, videos, and podcasts, and benefit from other features, including free consultations and independent online advice. Again, that's www.growinternational.org. Until next time, this is Oliver Dowson, wishing you success and reminding you that international expansion may be easier than you may think. Mm -hmm.